Son, and the Holy Ghost.
we just made this up, then we don't have to believe it. Because there's nothing more than a, a fantasy. Might be true, might not be. But if God revealed it, then it's true. The beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And God said, let, let, let us create heaven and earth. Or in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God in the, in the plural form with a singular masculine verb. Multiplicity and unity. Right from the first sentence of Genesis and the first sentence of the Gospel of St. John. That's the revelation. And so all of the story of Christ and the hope for the coming of Christ and the whole story of God incarnate culminates in the doctrine of the Trinity. In other words, if we look at that picture, it takes us to a point where this is what we find and what we discover. Sort of like looking through that pinhole in the cardboard to see what really is going on. And here's an interesting thing. Because this is a pivotal point because all the Sundays from here until Advent that we start over again all culminate out of the doctrine of the Trinity or the revelation of the doctrine of the Trinity. So when you're hearing about how to be a Christian and all these different Gospels and lessons on Sundays, think back to this day. Because the key is we're not learning how to just be nice people or be moral. We're learning to encounter God and that will affect everything we do and are. Everything. So it's all about the encounter with the God who reveals Himself. And He reveals Himself as Trinity. Three in one. Well, that's still a little bit difficult to accept. So let me just try to explain something about the Trinity too. Okay? So just remember, if you don't get it, it's because not because God is clear, but I'm a terrible vessel for His grace and explanation. Uh, and therefore, it's my fault. The defect lies here, not in the truthfulness of it. So turn to some of the fathers who can explain it well, and you'll see what I mean. God is one and God is three. That's basically the doctrine of the Trinity in a nutshell. But how do we explain this? Well, God is His essence and His energies. The opening hymn grabs in, in, in its lyrics. It was written many centuries later that people understood this. It's his essence and his energies. Well, what does that mean? Well, his essence. That is, he is all-knowing, all-powerful, uncontained. That is, he is everywhere. And if we grasp that, he's transcendent. That he's greater than that. And if we sort of grasp what transcendent means, he's greater than that. Well, I think it was St. Augustine who said, God transcends transcendence. That is God's essence. Who can know that? No one. Unless he reveals himself to us. If he created us, then he knows how we are and he knows how to reveal himself to us in a way that we can fathom and grasp. And so he reveals himself. It's in his nature to reveal himself. These are called his energies. That which is emanating out of his very being say it emanating out of because he is everywhere so where is there to go God is everywhere but his nature is to reveal to his creation within him that doesn't even know he's there the tragedy of the last day will be that people will find that they were always in God and didn't know it it will burn like fire that will be hell so we want to change things so we don't wind up there. 
We can't make ourselves believe, but we can walk into it. Walk into the presence of God as he reveals himself. And so as he reveals himself in his energies have been discovered by us, by those who have gone before us. And let me tell you something. If you think we're just sort of a strange bunch, every serious Christian through 2,000 years of history has believed this. So we're not just one among a few. We're a part of a great crowd of witnesses who have borne witness to this. The words that we use in these prayers reflect their experience. It's not, you know, he and I didn't make this up. And the Bishop Basil didn't make it up. Bishop John didn't make it up. Metropolitan Joseph didn't make it up. Patriarch John didn't make it up. It's been around for centuries. And so he reveals himself. And as he reveals himself, he says, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Father is the revelation of that essence of God. I mean, if you understand the concept of the essence of God, well, then obviously there's, there's one up there. You know, we, in Orthodox iconography, we generally do not try to portray the Father because of his transcendence, even though we use the language. Some of the, some of the Western non-Orthodox iconography, sometimes based upon Daniel chapter 7, God the Father is portrayed as a man with a long white beard. But that's really scored or, or, or frowned upon in Orthodox iconography. You can't portray the Father. And yet when we begin to understand God as, as it, when His essence begins, what we can grasp of His essence is the image of the Father, the Creator, the first cause, that which brings all of this into being, including ourselves. And throughout the imagery of the Old Testament, the Father is, is, is constantly revealing Himself among the people. And the name He gives to Himself is Yahweh. He is. Which is a third person way of saying what he, name he really gave was I Am. And Jesus said, uh, when, when challenged by the Jewish authorities, before Abraham was, I Am. I Am Yahweh. You know, the first time I heard that, I thought, no, wait a minute, Yahweh refers to the Father. No, and most of the patristic writers tell us that Yahweh refers to the second person of the Trinity. Exactly what Jesus said. So you have the Son. So there is God out there, and there is God manifesting Himself. And then we have the Holy Spirit. God taking His place, manifesting Himself within us and out from us. So God all in all. He's everywhere. But he manifests himself in these three ways, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three we call persons, the Latin persona, the Greek hypostasis. Now, some people have tried to say through the history of the church that they use the word for Greek word for mask. And persona means mask, like an actor would play different parts in ancient Greek plays and often hold a mask up in front of his face to represent a different part. It's not like that. These are persons. They are always there. God is always one and three. There has always been the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the nature of God. Always. It's not just once in a while. He doesn't start out as the Father and then appear as the Son. And, oh, maybe I'll be the Holy Spirit today. He's always that. So the repositive 
They're substantive. That's a good word to use. And they're not attributes. I remember before I was Orthodox, I was in a church that thought all you had to do was come up with language of one and three. So what they described the Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit was because those words were sexist. Uh, now, God reveals himself as the Father, and it's his issue, isn't it? It's not ours. But in any case, in order to get rid of it, they said God is creator, redeemer, and sanctifier. Well, those don't describe three persons of the Trinity. They describe three attributes of God which are attributed to all three. Therefore, the whole doctrine of the Trinity is confused in that language. This has always been the issue for the church. Because people use the wrong language and they confuse this. And see, God is revealing himself in this. And so the revelation of himself is lost when we don't use the language he gives us. We need to use the language he gives us. That's important. Because encounter with God is the consequence. And these are all three gods, so it's not like they're three parts. Well, there's the part of the Father, and there's the part of the Son, and there's the part of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't get this, stand in line. This is confusing, but this is what we have received, and God is confusing sometimes. We go His way, not our own. So they're not three parts. Remember something about the essence of God. In philosophy, they like to say God is simple. I think of that in terms of simple-minded, you know, that's what I hear when I hear simple. What that means is not composite, not made up of parts. You and I are made up of parts. At the very least, we are soul and body. The proof of that is when we die and the soul leaves the body. That's proof that we're composite. God is not composite. He is not three parts. He's simple. So the Father is, is God entirely, the Son is God entirely, and the Spirit is God entirely, and all three are active in everything, but uniquely. In the economy, that is, when He works among us. The Trinity is the pinhole by which we look through to see the brightness of God. We won't see it any other way. We'll see bits and pieces, but we won't see it any other way. I assure you. In fact, try it. I don't mean look through the cardboard at the sun. I'm talking about look at God without the doctrine of the Trinity. Just try. Tell me what you find. It will be incomplete. It will be lacking. And there will be plenty of people who have gone before and tried it and failed. And the church has pointed out how they failed. Try the Trinity and see what you get. Well, that's really why this feast is here. To remind us of this. That God is revealing Himself in this. And that we're not making things up. We're trying to hold to that which is revealed so that we all can participate in this. It would be cruel to the church to know this treasure and not share it with us and preserve it for us so that it can share it. It would be tragic and it would be cruel. I like to say when people challenge us about our doctrines, we say we're right and you're not. That that's only arrogant if we're wrong. And if we're right, we have an obligation to hold to it. In grace and charity, mind you, not as arrogant people, because if then we do that, we've lost it. We've stepped outside what God wants from us. There's a way to do this. But we still have to hold to the truth. So we do. And how important this is is the fact that every collect 
virtually every collect, every hymn or most psalms, canticles in the liturgy end with Trinitarian doxology. It's a reminder to us. This is who we're encountering, experiencing in this. This is a treasure beyond all treasures. So what do we do with this? We've got to do something with it. What is it? Well, we do it all the time. We just don't realize it. But now maybe we can. Hope we can. Always. First and foremost, believe it. We're going to say the creed in a minute. I believe. And notice it's broken up in three parts. To the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. But what's the opening line? One God. I believe in one God. Not three, but of three persons. And then having believed it, we have to respond to it every day, every moment of every day. The way we do that is to pray. Now, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm beating a dead horse, but it, obviously prayer is important for us. But you'd be surprised how we can understand and even think that prayer is important and never really do it. Our proper thing, a common thing you hear in our society now is, you're in my thoughts and prayers. Uh, and I prefer people to say you're in my thoughts because usually from the sources of which we give those words, that's what they mean. You're in my thoughts. Well, that's, that's nice. I'm glad you're thinking of me. I don't need it. I do need your prayers. So our prayers are important. And when we pray, we want to pray in the, in the, in the, in the concept of the Trinity, all of that it, it weighs upon us. Pray. And those prayers that we use, especially if we use the church's prayers, will form and shape us and shape our thinking so that we begin to look through the pinhole. Jesus said, narrow is the way that comes to eternal life, that leads to eternal life. Not broad, narrow. The pinhole. That's what he said. So we pray so that we may see the pin through the pinhole and see the brightness of God. And conform ourselves. You know, you know, logically, we can argue this all we want. This is where we, this is where it's great being orthodox. We have a 2,000-year history of a whole lot of stuff, including people who have argued for and against. It's all in our tradition. So there's plenty of ex explanation if we want to dig into it and look. Nice. It helps and protects us. My attitude is, well, I'll take their word for it. I've found that taking their word for it also works. And lastly, in doing this, be patient. You know, we don't say, I've tried the doctrine of the Trinity for two weeks and it didn't work. That, that isn't going to work. God wants us forever. So we have to enter into the whole mystery forever. So there's we have to be patient. All aspects of Christian life are like this. Be patient. Even revealing. So that's what we want to do. This day is devoted to this, to remind us so that we see, not into some bright concept that we can't fathom, but we see what God has revealed and what's really happening. And we begin to look through the pinhole. What we find is, as C.S. Lewis pointed out, as we go farther up and farther in, it just gets broader and bigger and more dynamic and personal and real and the reason for our being. Pray today that we will all be drawn into this great treasure and to begin to understand and fathom it as God wants to reveal Himself to us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.